0: Hello, and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Dearest Rogue by Elizabeth Hoyt. This was published in 2015, and is the eighth book in the Maiden Lane series. It's the eighth book. We're over halfway. We're not done yet, but we're getting there. How many are there in this series? There are 12 full-length novels and three or four novellas. We're getting there, people. We're getting there. We're going to do it. We're going to do it, guys. <laughs>
1: uh, the previous
2: seven books can be found relatively recently because we've been re-releasing the old recordings and releasing new recordings for the entire series um, about once a month, but
0: slightly more rapidly. Yep. That's it. So check them out. Today, we're talking about Dearest Rogue, which is one of my favorite of the series, but one that I never recommended to Lane before. And you'll see why. (laughs) She wasn't wrong, you guys. And it breaks my heart that I'm, like, (laughs) such a picky asshole. (laughs) But first, the book jacket. (laughs) He can guard her. Lady Phoebe Batten is pretty vivacious and yearning for a social life befitting the sister of a powerful duke. But because she is almost completely blind, her overprotective brother insists that she have an armed bodyguard by her side at all times, the very irritating Captain Trevilian.
2: From every danger. Captain James Trevilian is proud, brooding, and cursed with a leg injury from his service in the king's dragoons. Yet he can still shoot and ride like the devil. So watching over the distracting Lady Phoebe should be no problem at all until she's targeted by kidnappers.
0: But passion itself. Caught in a deadly web of deceit, James must risk life and limb to save his charge from the lowest of cads, one who would force Lady Phoebe into a loveless marriage.
2: But while they're confined to close quarters for her safekeeping, Phoebe begins to see the tender man beneath the soldier's hard exterior. And the possibility of a life and love she never imagined possible. (sighs) The exterior is really hard.
0: (laughs) In all possible ways. I mean, there's a part, oh my God, there's a part where they're writing and like, He pulls her, like, head against his chest, and she's like, ow, the butt of his gun is, like, kind of poking me in the face, but I kind of like also being, like, crushed up against him, so I'm not gonna say anything, and that should tell you everything about this book.
2: I will say about this jacket, it implies that it takes the near-death experience for her to be attracted to him. And mm-hmm. I'll give her the credit that she's interested in him before they have to go to Cornwall together. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's. Oh, yes. Oh, I love it. God, I really like this book. I really like this book a lot. I really like this romance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number out of 50. And for this episode, that number was 29. And then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. So my 29 word summary is. What happens when you can no longer spend your life upholding law and order? You get to uphold your own moral code. That's what. Done.
1: That is so sassy
0: and so James. (laughs) I was talking to Lane before we started recording. And I was like, basically, James's character arc is moving from lawful good to neutral good. And that is the kind of character arc that I
1: can get on board with.
0: No
2: one in this podcast, there's only two of us, is interested in the chaotic or the evil. No. Every character we've ever liked is lawful or neutral, and most of them are
0: lawful. Yeah, but by lawful or neutral, I'll we also mean lawful or neutral good. <laughs> What's the medium one? There's two mediums. Neutral. Right, like lawful, neutral, good. There's lawful, that- neutral, there's there's lawful good, neutral good, and chaotic good. Right. But then what's the mi- other middle one? L- there's lawful neutral, true neutral, and chaotic neutral.
2: So we're only interested in like the four grids that are both lawful and neutral, neutral and good.
0: That's only three grids, but
2: yeah. It's four. They're lawful good, neutral good, true neutral,
0: lawful neutral. Oh, you're okay with a true neutral then? I think we could totally do that. I mean, I think I can do that, too. Let's be honest. I could also probably do Chaotic Good. I'd have to... Oh, who is Chaotic
1: Good? Leave it in the comments. Well, I'm thinking of uh, Miles My- Coast again. <laughs> I think he's got a little bit more... compass than that. Yeah, well, I'm not talking about Errol. I'm talking about Miles, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, for- <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> okay, what's your twenty-nine word summary line? Let's let's talk about James Trevilian now.
2: Phoebe is over being treated like a china doll, and James is aware that she's not made of porcelain, but she doesn't know because she can't see his face. <laughs>
1: I don't know how you came up with that, but it's, it's Fucking hilarious. <laughs> So I get at one of the
2: central things driving the plot of this book. Phoebe is, at this point, blind. Mm -hmm. She was normally sighted until she was 12 or so. Mm
1: -hmm. She
2: is now 21. And each day, each month, each week, however you want to measure time, has been a progressive descent into total blindness. Right.
0: Right and we've actually seen her over the span of several books um do that too so i think we meet her in the second book of the series and um at that that's the book where i think she breaks her arm actually and so that's where that's where her sight cuz in the the second book she has she's wearing glasses um, and But that's when everyone kind of realizes that there's an issue. So this has been going on in the background of um, the books for a long time.
2: Right. So she's been a character for a while. Her sister and her brother have both been protagonists of previous novels. Yes. And her brother is Maximus Batten, the world's biggest Maximus asshole.
0: Dickus Maximus.
2: Who I
0: am weirdly okay with. (laughs) I know. You want this guy. It's because he's fucking neutral. I mean, lawful, whatever. He's fucking asshole, but you like him. I think he's (laughs) lawful neutral.
1: He's a... Or neutral, true neutral. Because he breaks a lot of laws. But does true neutral try to shut down
0: all the gin distilleries?
1: No, that's why I'm saying. Maybe he's in, um neutral good. Point is, bag of dicks, but I'd ride it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. What happens in this book, um, there's a,
1: let's talk about the tropes, bodyguard romance. Yeah. Class difference. Age gap, workplace romance, road trip romance. I
2: have
0: to pretend to be husband and wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's a good one. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of tropes, a lot of nice tropes, a lot of primo, primo A grade tropes. These are the tropes that we like, I think.
1: Yeah, I, the road trip bits were extremely good, right?
0: Oh, she has to wear a ring because they're pretending to be married and it's his mother's wedding ring.
2: Like he uses the real ring he'd give to his wife.
0: Mm -hmm. Mhm. We're just like dying. We're both just like, oh, we're dead. This is it. This is trope heaven. Okay, so here's the thing.
2: In all sincerity, James was employed by Maximus to be Phoebe's bodyguard. He resigns extremely early in the book. So like very low level spoilers because he feels that his feelings for her are compromising his ability to evaluate his own physical abilities to protect her, but also preventing him from noticing things around her. Mm-hmm. so basically since the second Maximus hired him to watch Phoebe he's been like I'm 33 she is 21 I am a gross old lecturer who just has his boners constantly and thank god she can't notice
0: okay I, I also have to pause pause we said age gap I think it's fucking hilarious because this is not a gigantic age gap for historical romance in fact I wouldn't even really classify it as an age gap except that he's all worried about it and That's the kind of, I don't like age gap romance in general, but this is the kind of age gap that I can get on board with, which is that there actually isn't that big of an age gap, but he's worried that there is. I fucking love it. So he's, like, obsessed with the fact
2: that he's, like, she is so young and I am, like, a gross old pervert. Yeah. And so... She's mostly resentful that her brother has, like, hired someone to be her bodyguard because she's like, I'm blind. I'm not, like, incapable or at risk or whatever, except someone realizes how much she means to her brother and decides that they actually do need to kidnap her and, like, harm her in some way.
0: I mean, that's the most frustrating part about it is that Phoebe's right that she doesn't need a bodyguard. But then she's also not right, right? Like that because right there's there is a threat
2: to her person that is not caused by her blindness, right? Anyway, <laughs> but so James is like, all right, now I can't do this. I'm not good at this. I'm leaving her exposed to threats that she would not otherwise be exposed to.
0: P.S. is wrong. I was but, gonna say that's the thing too. Is like number one on the one hand, he's kind of right because he's he's not as physically able as he once was and maybe he is making some decisions based on sentiment rather than logic or practicality on the other hand um he's wrong because he is the person who can best protect her it's it's the, these are the contradictions that i really like in a romance so i'm i'm enjoying i like that too i like how elizabeth white sets it up where you're like no, you're, like, she sets it up where you feel really sympathetic to both of them, and then she also reverses it to be like, mm-hmm, you were wrong, and I, I really liked that she did that. That was good. Did you pick up on the time issue here? Which time issue? So, when he is first
2: asked how long he has been a member of the King's Dragoons before he was taken in by Maximus following his injury, he says almost 20 years. hmm and then by the end of the book, you realize it's 11 years? Yeah, there's only 11. Uh-huh. Like, every time it gets brought up, the timeline shrinks. Well, I and I, I could not tell, tell that. if that was supposed to be his character or if that was supposed to be Elizabeth White realizing that, like, he thinks of it as almost 20 years. But if he's 33, he was absolutely not
0: shipped out at 13. Yeah, so, I mean, it could be either. But I think it works as him being like, oh, I've been a dragon for 20 years. And then he thinks about it and he's like, I'm actually, (laughs) I I see it as him. This is part of his character growth, right? In the beginning, he's like, I'm an old, washed up, former soldier who can't even be a soldier anymore. And by the end, he's like, I'm husband material, right? (laughs) So I see it as him doing that. It could have been an issue. This could be an editing issue, right? I'm not saying it isn't, but it worked for me.
1: I mean, that's totally fair. So in terms of sexiness tropes, because they're pretending to be husband and wife,
2: props to Elizabeth White. There is no like, you'll sleep on the floor and I'll sleep on the bed. He's like, we will roll up a single coat between us. (laughs) Any reader of historical romance knows how well that worked. And by night two, he is literally, like, I'm sorry, controversial opinion. I'm totally here for the fully clothed orgasms.
0: Me too. Give me a
2: dry hump any day. Oh, my God. Like, the fact that that's what's, he's like, he just wakes up in the middle of the night and she's all over him and he's like, fuck it. Mm Mm-hmm. If I I was imagining this, I'd have an orgasm right now, so I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) It was the sexiest sex scene in this book, in my opinion, is the dry hump. Oh my god, it's really sexy.
0: It's really sexy. I agree with you. I mean, it's a okay. What makes a dry hump a dry hump? They both had orgasms. Is it no longer a dry hump?
1: Dry hump, right? If there is no skin to skin contact beyond what is exposed when wearing. Full clothing. Mm-hmm. That's a dry home. Okay. Well, it it was very sexy. It was real sexy. But, Lane, this is really weird. I thought you didn't like this book.
0: I have some beefs. Are we moving on from tropes? There's so many tropes, but we'll just,
2: whatever. Here's my thing Pavilion and Phoebe, how to shit. Fantastic characters. Totally get their arcs. Want them to be
1: together forever. There, they there is a lot of B plot and
2: scenery setting that is angsty in the like sexually exploitation way mm-hmm. that I just don't want in books at all. Mm-hmm. So like Phoebe's, they're trying to kidnap Phoebe. Neither her brother nor James quite know why and there's a whole lot of fretting that it's like to rape her or to force her into marriage without her
1: consent James has a sister who is in some way
2: developmentally delayed impaired whatever the specific diagnosis is not given and she was raped in the sense that she is not a person capable of giving consent Mm -hmm. And that singular rape, as far as you can gather, resulted in a pregnancy. And so there's just all of these really dark, exploitative themes Mm -hmm. bringing down what is otherwise a romance between, like, the super upright soldier and the sunshine grump sunshine person in spite of all the odds Still Mm -hmm. sees joy in life who can teach him something about that. Like, I should be totally into James Trevelyan, former soldier in the king's army, barely not a spy. Barely. (laughs) Learning to love because he sees this blind woman as capable in ways that no one else in her life does. Like, that is mm-hmm. enough of a story. The fact that she keeps getting kidnapped and the people are like, we're going to force you to marry against your will. And then his sister was raped and forced to have a child. Like, all of those things are so dark. And I mm-hmm. feel like even the Elizabeth Hoyts I love, I have to, like, steal myself for, like, the shoe that's going to drop that is extremely pessimistic about the world as a whole. Yeah. This whole book to me is, like, what I love and hate about Elizabeth Hoyt because it's enrapturing but infuriating, and I think she relies on a lot of romance tropes that I find really outdated, whether it's, like, the threat of sexual violence or, Mm -hmm. like, a I-must-protect-you He-man worldview. Mm Mm-hmm. But she has these emotionally really complex and rich characters Mm -hmm. who are so multidimensional that you totally understand why they're falling for each other, even though they're not perfect people. Yep. But the wider circumstances, the angst needs to be turned up to 11.
0: And I just don't want
2: that. I don't want the angst. I don't want the drama. I just want these two people who are clearly so well suited and she
0: can't do one without the other. No, she, I mean, that's her thing. She doesn't, she can't, she can't do one without the other. Like there's no, there's not a single Elizabeth Hoyt book you can think of that's like low angst. There's not, they don't exist.
2: There's not, but there's different types of angst, and I might talk about Winter trying to rescue all of the, like, children being exploited by a capitalist system into sex slavery and other forms of indentured servitude as, like, too mm-hmm. angsty for me. But then you end up with this one where there's, like, so much on-page rape and threat of rape. Mm-hmm. That you're like, she literally can't write a book without something like this in it. She
0: can't. She can't. And I, I think... We've talked about this many times before, but as long as it doesn't happen between the main characters, I'm usually fine with it.
2: And I'm realizing more and more that I'm I'm largely forgiving if the main character's relationship is wonderful of whatever's going on in the background, but there are times that what happens in the background crosses the line for me, and like this whole book was one of those times. It's a Mm -hmm. shame, because I loved Trevelyan and Phoebe so much, Mm -hmm. but I felt like this book was an angsty like nightmare
0: i'm going to talk about james more because i'm realizing that this that this specific character archetype it really pushes my buttons like in the good way and i i think what it is is it's a soldier or military man or person who's been under like in an organization where they have to be under like a strict hierarchical code who gets to learn to think for himself or herself. Like that is my catnip. Somebody said to me recently that like, I like military heroes. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't like military heroes. I'm not like, like that Air Force romance we read was not my thing. So it's not the fact that they're in the military that turns me on. I think it's the fact that they have been living in this specific society that's very hierarchical and then they have to learn to live outside of it. Or Oh my god,
2: I think both of us are really into the man with good intentions and I think Yes. I think we're both into men who want to do good and we recognize that the systems that like historically have been used as code words for those type of people are unjust. Mm-hmm. And so the way to portray that now to a modern reader is to have a man who wanted to work within the system and found power to help people within the system, but has now rejected the system. And like, there's a more effective way to help people outside of it, but I still don't know how to be without that hierarchical structure. It's a very complicated thing, but I'm, I'm totally with you. But James in
0: particular, he, so Okay, I say that you can read these books as standalones. I stand by that. However, I will say that James, in particular, has like a multi-book character arc. You meet him in Winter's book, where he is single-mindedly pursuing the ghost. Actually, you meet him in um, uh, Silence's book, right, where he is doing this, like, going after the gin smugglers, and then he's really going after the ghost. And in the ghost books, in that trilogy, he goes from saying, well, the ghost has killed people, he's bad, to working with the ghost to bring down the the actual bad guy, right? And then the last, the most recent book, he was the one who arrested Apollo. And then he's like, wait, you're an innocent man, I need to prove your innocence. So he goes from the guy who arrested him to this guy who's working outside of the system to prove his innocence. And finally, you have this book, which is obviously the, you know, ne plus, ne plus I don't know how to say that. Ne plus ultra, ne plus ultra, ne plus ultra. I don't know. Anyway, it's the pinnacle of his um, character arc, which is he's working for this duke to protect phoebe and he still wants to protect phoebe like that's what he really wants to do but he's like actually i know the best way to protect her it's not someone telling me how to do it or what to do so good
2: i also loved how irrational that was Mm -hmm. like on the one hand you see justified that Maximus' house is compromised in many ways. It's It's a large house. There are many servants. There are many people who gossip. There's just no way to keep
1: contained where she is in an environment like that. But I also love James thinking, okay, she's unsafe. I'm no longer her protector legally.
2: I don't have any claim to her whatsoever. Uh, I have to abduct her or take her to Cornwall. Like, it, yes. it's, without him admitting it to himself, it is the, like, I'm in love with this person. She is everything to me. I am the only one equipped to do this. Without any thought through of any of the consequences. Just push oh, her yeah. up and takes her to Cornwall obsessed obsessed with what a stupid decision that is in like in all sincerity he is making the dumbest choice he is not involving her like he is treating her in every way she doesn't want to be treated and he is thinking through none of that critically because he is so far gone if you want me to forgive a hero for like a multitude of sins have those sins be committed in the name of i'm so in love and won't admit it that I have to try to control every facet of this. And that is extremely stupid. But here you go.
0: Oh, he just has really great character growth. Like I said. It's it's really good. And and yet he only moves one box. On the Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> affinity scale. Right? And yet it, it works. So well. So well.
1: Hmm. I also did like getting to know Phoebe. So she was in the
0: other books, but I don't think you got as much of a sense of her character as you did here, which makes sense because she wasn't the main character. I get it. But she's, she's got relative privilege, right? Like obviously she's not starving on the streets the way we see in St. Giles, but she is basically a prisoner in her own home. Like, She yells, Maximus doesn't even let her go to like a book club, basically, you know, and it's really shitty. I also continue to be impressed with how Hoyt lets Maximus be a grade A
1: jerk all the time. If you thought him marrying Artemis was going to soften him in any way, shape or
0: form, um, it did not. He's still an asshole. And he's still an
2: asshole in every way you expect. He is trying to control Phoebe. He is trying to control his political opposition. He is convinced that her abduction is about him. Mm-hmm. He Which is.
1: He it most, is.
0: It is. But <laughs> he's such a myopic piece of shit. He is. He is. I mean, he's such a... That's Again, that's the thing with Hoyt is she... She lets you see these things and you're like, oh my God, he's such an asshole. He's so vain and he thinks the song is about him. But the song is about him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to redeem Val.
2: That's a different issue. I can't. I just, I live in fear of the day that you read Val's book, Lane, because it's the episode. Because I'm like, this one is too dark for me. And you're like, how the hell am I going to get her through that one?
0: <laughs> it is a book. It is a book. It's a, I, we'll see we're almost
2: there <laughs> I was so mad at several points by reading this yeah and then my brain would like backtrack and I'm like but it's sexy yeah and Trevilian is sexy yeah. but it's so thematically dark I don't know how infantilizing Some of the things like she Phoebe appreciates people just explaining the visuals of the environment to her, like people assuming that they should do that. Like she finds that very comforting. I don't know if that's like best practice in terms of how well this handles disability. I do not know. And I can't comment on that. But I felt like Phoebe overall did a good job articulating her own desires. Mm. And I appreciated that. Whether or not it's an accurate representation of blindness and degenerative blindness, I don't know. But the fact that she was able to just, like, ask what color is this baby's hair or explain this to me or explain to James why she preferred white flowers until her sight totally disappeared.
0: I thought she was a good advocate for her own desires. I thought she was. I thought one of the most poignant parts of the book, one of the things that I liked the most was – When she's talking to James and she says part of the reason she likes talking to him is that he's just very dispassionate about it. He's like, here's a bench. Here's your food. You know, whatever. If she says, what color is your hair? What what does he look like? He will tell her. Whereas if she asks her sister or her sister-in-law, she has to deal with their pain. And.
1: uh,
0: and their emotions about her blindness and she's just like i just want to know what color his friggin' hair is you know like i didn't say that so that you would feel sorry for me or that you would start crying but that that's also why she never asked before what color williams hair was and i just thought that was so it was really great in the sense that you got to understand phoebe's character and you got to understand maybe a little bit why she was attracted to james I thought it was really great part of the book. I liked it a lot.
2: So I agree, but I just want to be very clear in terms of content warnings as we transition yes. into that phase. That I don't think either of us are equipped to comment on whether or not this is like a good portrayal of blindness.
0: No, and I would I would take it a step further as well because Trevilian is disabled. Um, he used he his leg broke and it um didn't heal you know there's no modern medicine right he walks with a cane he can ride a horse but he can't he can't walk or go up and down stairs or run you know these are things that he can no longer do and on the one hand phoebe is has chosen to be cheerful about it right and he's chosen to see everything that he's lost basically so i as i cannot speak again for how authentic it is for these
1: disabilities i can tell you that as character foils it worked very well so
0: okay what else we already talked about it but Trillian's sister is mentally delayed she was raped she has a daughter who's a product of that sexual assault uh phoebe is kidnapped successfully kidnapped twice she The two times that this James is not guarding her. She's the subject of four kidnapping attempts. And she was counter kidnapped once by Trevelyan. He saved her and kidnapped her. But she was fine. I mean, she was fine with it, but he did not give her a choice. When James
2: kidnapped her, it was a consensual kidnapping. It was, yes, a consensual kidnapping. It was against Maximus's wishes, but not against Phoebe's wishes.
1: And it led to the dry hump scene, so obviously worth it. That is permanently imprinted on my brain. So fucking sexy. Sexiness. I think this book is very sexy. I think... I mean, it really
0: starts from the the entire book is very sexy. Like, she is attracted to him, he is attracted to her from the beginning. They've been together, like, in this forced proximity bodyguard situation for almost a year, right? Well, she's not attracted to him from the beginning. No. From the beginning of this book, she is. Right. But not from the minute he's assigned to be her bodyguard. No. No. But I'm saying from the beginning of this book. Because yeah. they've been they've been in the bodyguard and person of interest situation for a year basically they have to be together every day
2: like she is not attracted to him based on anything visible
0: Uh
1: uh-huh
2: and i thought the way because she had formerly been sighted, she was asking people to describe his looks to her so she could like Mm -hmm. form a mental picture of him so it's not like she's disinterested in whether or not he's physically attractive, but what is attracted to her, attractive to her now as someone without sight is very different. So she talks about the smell of him and the way she, she fits into the crook of his neck and like how his presence makes her feel.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just
2: thought all of that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because – of course, you don't move away from romance tropes. Like his washboard abs are still fascinating to her fingers. But I thought but all of it, like the, what attraction means to her, versus he is attracted to a very conventionally beautiful woman. Hmm. And I don't think you get the sense of whether or not Trevelyan is conventionally attractive or not.
0: I mean, they. It's interesting because you you get to hear about him from, um hero and artemis's perspectives and they're like yeah he's fine but of course they're married to like
1: the most like the hottest nobleman out there whatever (laughs) yes exactly whatever
0: i honestly i think you get the sense from them and this is i thought really interesting and played into the class consciousness that he was just sort of a piece of furniture You know, they're like, oh, God, I hadn't even thought about him. Like, I guess he's good looking. You know, but he's with Phoebe every day, all the time. And I think that was really interesting, too, because I think he felt like he was supposed to be like completely neutral towards this woman that he's spending his life around all the time. I don't know. It was it was a very good execution of the bodyguard trope.
1: I'll just say I it. just,
0: I
2: think both of us are kind of suckers for the man who is losing his goddamn mind mm-hmm. because he's so into a woman, but she doesn't know for whatever reason. Like he actually reflects in this book that like if she could see his
0: face, she'd know. Yeah, he's like, it's a good thing she's blind because she can't see my dick getting hard right now, or you know my face. Bingo. I the way
2: that played out was just so good. Mm-hmm. Like his. Desperate desire for her and her ignorance of that fact, like, to the point that she was insecure when she finally started developing feelings of her own for him because she thought he wasn't, like, interested or whatever. So good. Like, Mm -hmm. so sexy. Like, I am not usually one to be, like, kind of turned on by the, like, oh, God, is he into me? But the way all of it played out here was perfection.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I also loved. So I love that they pretend to be man and wife. I loved. So they fall into bed with each other on their way out to Cornwall. On their way home, he's like, "Okay, we should have separate rooms." But she's like, "He, he's actually." Oh, minor spoiler. He goes to the innkeeper and is like, "That was a mistake. We should have. We should share a room." And she's just like, "Yes. Like, why waste a night?" So good. So good. It was so good. I'm sorry.
2: I do think it's worth mentioning that the one, like, other than the stuff we've talked about and the dark themes and the content warnings, the one thing really bringing this book down for me is the why. Mm -hmm. Why there were all these kidnapping attempts on her. Why they were brought back to London when they were. The theme of the, like, the big villain
1: Mm-hmm. is extremely dumb. I mean, you are not wrong. You are not wrong at all. You're not wrong. So I obviously don't want to recommend skipping this one because
2: Maiden Lane has a lot of high points and Trevilian and Phoebe are great. And clearly this book is setting up a lot to come. But I was
0: very infuriated while reading this and the epilogue did not help okay look i like maiden lane there are a lot of maiden lane books that i like but i honestly will pick and choose when i read them like i will skip over whole chapters or like lots of scenes that i don't that i'm not into i just i will do that there are books that i read not in the maiden lane series other books where i will literally skip every other chapter like i like the book but if i is you know when a book goes from perspective to perspective, like one chapter is from this person. And then one chapter is from that person. I'll skip that person the entire time because it doesn't add anything. I, I just want to stay with this person the entire time. And I'll be like, I've literally never done that. So no, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't do it the first time. I only do it when I reread, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be like, I've actually talked to people and I'm like, this is one of my favorite books. And they're like, "Oh, really? I didn't like it." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm like you just reread it, and you don't read these chapters, and it's really good." And they look at me weird, but I'm like, "I don't know." This is the only part in my life, Blaine. I think I'm like maybe chaotic neutral
1: when it comes to reading. I my mind is blown, <laughs> but I, I I I could see myself. I definitely
0: like just skimmed eve i probably read their wedding thing
2: anyway meg loves elizabeth white and maiden lane i wouldn't recommend skipping this one Trevilian and phoebe are great yep
0: thank you so much for listening yeah thank you so much
1: uh rate review subscribe check us out around the internet um buy our merch and talk to you later Bye.